come on into the pool. It's it's not as bad as people think. You can manage it. And, and a lot of the smaller ISPs have the entrepreneurial sort of mindset around how they help their customers. And so, you know, you have to be available and open to all options. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. Before we launch into today's show, I wanted to share a little bit about some interesting things that are coming up. One is a live stream on June 7th at 3 Eastern Time, our next Building for Digital Equity live stream. This will be the fourth one. We've had a lot of good feedback on our others. It's an interesting mix of presentations and uh, trivia and, and Q&A. And you can find more at buildingfordigitalequity.com where you'll see information about that live stream on June 7th at 3 Eastern Time. Also there, you'll see information about the Building for Digital Equity podcast, of which we have many episodes and more to come. Uh, These are shorter discussions about people doing that hard work. And then for those of you who haven't heard about the Connect This show, we are going to be continuing to do those about every two weeks. And you can find more at connectthisshow.com. That is a hour-long video show, usually a little bit longer than that, often featuring Travis Carter from USI Fiber in Minneapolis, Kim McKinley from Utopia Fiber, and Doug Dawson, the consultant extraordinaire. So if you haven't caught any of those, uh, they're best on video. You can watch them on YouTube. Uh, You can find that and additional shows from ILSR, uh, the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, where I work, at ILSR.org slash podcasts. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and I'm here at Broadband Communities in Houston, where we are once again doing some live interviews uh, at this event where we always run into wonderful people. Yesterday, on a panel that I got to host, uh, Mark Willett, the CEO of Axiom Technologies, in Maine, uh, which has been a a partner that I've been watching from afar for some time, a great partner to local communities, uh, is with me. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. It is exciting to talk with you. Um, we uh, we certainly hope that uh, Peggy is doing well. We are hoping that Peggy will be with us as well. But Peggy Schaefer, yep, yes. she's great. She's doing fine, and uh, I have big shoes to fill with her. She's been a great partner at the in Maine, and now obviously has a national role. So I'm excited. Yeah, when her. she was retiring, you know, I, I not so subtly was like, Peggy would love to find ways of working with you in your retirement. Yeah. And she was like, No, I'm really going to be gardening. Yeah. I think she has three <laughs> jobs now. She does. She does absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to take it personally. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about Axiom Technologies. What What is Axiom? So we're an internet service provider based in Machias, Maine, which is in the county of Washington, Maine, which is that county is larger than the state of Rhode Island. So just giving you the space. So very, very rural on the um, eastern border. Uh, not just with the Atlantic, but with Canada. I was going to say not right down there in the mid 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 coast, no. or else you would have said that. No, I would have said <laughs> that. Uh, not not too far south, pretty pretty middle in upper state uh, area. All my people are there uh, that work from there, um, and um, but we've been expanding quite greatly with uh, a number of communities around the state, including down the mid-coast, and including off of the coast of Portland. So we've gotten a little reputation as an island, serving islands that Mm -hmm. are uh, unbridged. That's the fancy way of saying you have to take a ferry to get there. So, uh, yeah, so we've been expanding using our model 
which is public ownership model that the town owns the uh, whole infrastructure all the way to the home, everything. Um, and then we operate under an agreement, long-term agreement with them in which they can kick us out, in which they can control the pricing, in which they have a, a number of levers to, to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm pretty excited about it. We have about 12 communities now, right now, under that model, um, and we're building them out uh, slow but sure. So, And this isn't something that is hypothetical. You are operating on these networks already. Yes, it's not hypothetical. We're we're on our third network now. We're almost done our third uh, build out. We're excited about it because um, in our, for example, in our third project, we're we're not done building, but we're already paying fees back to the back to the community uh, for those people that we serve. So um, that's exciting. It's a good, you know. There's nothing like money to. Uh, to get people uh, working together for sure. And uh, it's been a good model for us in, in all of the communities we're in. And I think they, if you would ask them, I wish they were here with me, they, they tell you it's been a super exciting experience for them considering where they came from, which was extremely poor or no internet whatsoever, and really no prospect for any of the larger providers to come and serve them. You say the prospect of money, and yet I feel like the service provider community in Maine is different than what we see in many other areas. There's been a lot of interesting public-private partnerships. We've seen a lot of local for-profit companies working with cities also. Um, am I wrong in thinking that I think you were even providing maybe some like engineering-type services before you were partnering with cities? Or I, When oh I first gosh. came across yeah. you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we are... Um, we have tried to be and, and have been a one-stop shop. So long before uh, a community ultimately commits to us, we have done significant engineering on the cost. We have done significant uh, five or 10 year modeling for them so that they know what to expect and we're very transparent on our expense side. And uh, we, I mean, I personally am the CEO of the company. Uh, I personally have written many uh, state and federal grants on behalf of the towns with the towns meaning they are their app they they are the applicant but we are providing all of the technical assistance and and um, a lot of the narrative uh, to those grants so we've been quite successful right now we've been able to achieve for those 12 projects about 25 about 25 million dollars in build mm -hmm. of which there's about 18 million in federal or state grants against those builds so we've been quite successful uh, both with NTIA USDA a couple of programs at USDA including reconnect um, and at the state level uh, through the connect Maine authority previously which Peggy Schaefer ran and was a great partner, mm -hmm. and now the main connectivity authority, um, which we just received two projects in the in the latest round. So, you know, these communities have had a lot of success, and I think um, you mentioned that there are a lot of different partners in Maine, a lot of different private ISPs in Maine that have uh, interesting views on modeling and working with communities. And we are, it is true, we are just one of those. Uh, but we have had, uh, and there are no, a number of others, and I think part of that is because we're a small rural state, and um, a number, you know, as, as you know, across the United States, uh, in places where uh, the big incumbents have, find it very difficult to serve, the, 
people like me, companies like mine have pro- popped up across, you mm-hmm. know, so they're, they're small, they, they work with the communities, they love the communities. They, I mean, oftentimes we, we know all of our customers, we know who they are, we know how to, what, what's going on in their lives. Uh, so it's a really, really nice personal touch that but we at, can have. At the same time, I mean, I am 100% in favor of the model you're describing, but there are real frictions of dealing with local governments. I mean, there's uh, challenges to go through the official processes. Uh, You can have changes in leadership. There's a variety of things that I think have led to those companies that you referenced that are popping up, the local companies. I feel like many of them look at that and they say, I'd rather figure out how to get bank financing, which is much harder now, as our friend Travis Carter reminds us in the new interest rate environment. But but you were doing all this before that. And so what what made you want to work through the communities? So I'm a Mainer through and through, and I I love the communities we work in, in which we live in. Um, and I love I, my family too, but they're hard to deal with sometimes. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. But, you know, I, I felt long before I, you know, I joined Axiom six years ago. So long before that, the founder of our company, uh, Susan Corbett, was working in the trenches, working with communities uh, long yeah, before Yeah, Susan's me. been doing great work. She's doing great yeah, work now in the yeah. National Digital Equity Center and, yep. and doing a lot of uh uh, bridging the digital divide, not just in Maine, but uh, you know, has a national profile. So she's she was an exciting and an important mentor to me about how you work with communities. But I came from uh, the Department of De- uh, Economic and Community Development at the state. I was the director of business development for the state, and I really latched on to how do you help rural communities. And I just felt like the easy, the best way to do that was to let give people a connection that allows them to create their own economy, mm-hmm. lets them to create whatever they want to do, and that, 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 that our whole economy in Maine was lagging because of the lack of, of connectivity. And so from that's where I started. And uh, when I left the, that department, I was a consultant, and then I, I latched on to Susan. She hired me, and then uh, onward to, to working with these communities. It is hard work. It is a long game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so and there are challenges there certainly are but it is extremely rewarding and i'll just give one quick example i was in there's a town uh, it's called vienna uh you don't say v- it's spelled like vienna but you don't say vienna you oh, have yeah. to say vienna in maine <laughs> unless you you know and, and you're from away if you say it correctly there's a whole collection of those there is yeah. a whole collection Cairo, of those yeah, yeah yes so in maine yeah. yes there yeah. are um yeah. and so uh that's a town of about i don't know 600 people or so uh, I was there on a Saturday. This is the last round in which we got uh, we got an award for them for 2.3 million. They put in about 700,000 and uh, 2.3 million. And um, we were I was at a Saturday morning town meeting in which they were going to vote to uh, appropriate the money and go move forward with the grant. The grant hadn't been awarded yet. We were just applying, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, they they told me afterwards it was about 90 people on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And it took about three minutes. They started the meeting. They said, all in favor, everybody raised their hand. I took a picture of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody <laughs> raised their hand. And everybody, and not in favor, nobody, everybody down. And the the um, the one of the select board members, an old crusty guy, seriously, uh, had tears in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then when we got the grant, um, 
he called me three times within an hour. He said, are you sure? Are you sure we got <laughs> the grant? come true. So, you know, when you, when you have that, I'm getting t- tingly just thinking about it now. I mean, when you have that experience, it, it really drives a company like ours to, to move forward with these communities. So I would just advise communities or, or ISPs to consider this uh, because it is very rewarding. Very yeah. rewarding. I mean, for, for people to put that in context, I think my understanding from afar of the town meetings in Vermont and Maine is that if you put a proposition up that we think the sun is going to rise somewhere over there in the east sometime tomorrow, there's a dispute. Oh, <laughs> there's yes. There's arguments about it. Very much so. <laughs> and we, you know, a lot of the ways we, we handle those disputes is up front we tell the community that are, because there's always a group that's very enthusiastic. There's no way you get to a community meeting without mm-hmm. somebody being enthusiastic. And so having a champion in the community is essential. And you, you hear that over and over here, not just at this summit, but, uh, you know, anytime you're at any kind of national meeting around this, you, you have to have people who really care in the community that you can't get anywhere without that. But I always tell them, in a community this size, you're going to have 10 people who are, heck no. doesn't right. matter what you right. propose. It's they're going to be their a job. Heck no. Yeah. It's their job. It's what they do. And uh, you just need to be prepared for that. And you need to understand that that's just one voice in the community or several voices in the community. Mm-hmm. And they have a tendency to be able to drown things out because of the way the communities work. You know, you can have a very small turnout. So one of the ways I, you know, I was mentioning it on the panel, I like pitchforks. You know, this yes. is about an uprising from the, from, from the bottom saying, you know, we care about this and uh, we are coming to you, uh, select board. We are going to over, you know, we're going to get over all of the negativity and we're going to move forward because we really want this for our, for our people. So it's, it's been a, you know, that kind of process is, um, it can be hard. And it is true that I have a political background, so I, I get it and I understand how you do it. Um, but, and not everybody's made for that kind of thing. But, you know, in Maine, there's been a little bit of a disproportionate number of small ISPs who have worked with communities, not just with my model, but with other types of models to right. help those communities move forward. And that's that's a wonderful thing. It, it You know, an ecosystem of, of small, you know, I, I walk the beach with and, and talk with these other small providers all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So it makes it nice. In any community, you're frequently going to find a few people that are just immediately their their initial reaction is no they generally don't have the resources to send people five glossy mailers a week and to um, uh, produce uh, a website that has a bunch of misleading claims on it uh, and uh, and perhaps uh, advertising on local media um, and yet you you're running into that fairly significantly it sounds like very much so In, in almost every community where there is a presence, uh, in, in this case, it's uh, Spectrum, Charter Spectrum. Um, as, as you're aware, they're in 40-something states. They're a $40 billion company, I don't know, some, some ridiculously large corporation. And they've been coming into these small, small communities with a very strong um, negative advertising campaign, very slick very, you know, as you said, five mailers uh, with all kind, you know, and if they were here, they would probably say, "Oh no, 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 no! That's uh, that's an independent group. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, um, Alliance for Quality Broadband. That's we have right. nothing to do with it." That's uh, right. But it's pretty clear who is uh, behind it. That's right, and um, and that comes through um, the 
Maine Heritage Policy Center also have been doing uh, papers on this, and you know they've gotten a cre they've created and Spectrum is specifically has has funded these groups, and it, everybody's aware of that now, and they've been forced to to, to say it out loud, mm. which has been helpful, I think, um, and those kinds of uh, processes, you know, those kinds of negative campaigns don't typically do well in Maine. Um, and so we've had some success, uh, you know, overcoming them. But in some communities, they've had some success also in, in changing the community's mind. Um, they like to talk about risk and they like to talk about how um, broadband is going to siphon off scarce public dollars away from roads and education right which is like such a playbook sort of typical sort of argument but um it can be effective in communities who care about those things and and they and we are asking uh communities in the case of viana uh they had never borrowed so much money and uh they also had never gotten such a large grant by far mm -hmm. so you know you balance out the amount of money you're getting um in a grant application with with what you're borrowing and then of course uh we have to we have a little bit more of a complicated story to tell because we have to say you know the revenues from the from the subscribers are going to come back pay for the bond there's not going to be tax revenue involved at all in fact and and the projects that i have going we have that are now operational we have 70 over in almost approaching 80% take rates in those communities it's just they've been an enormous success and i would assume you need like 50 60 to yes. submit the business plan well i like usually uh, model 60% and even then the, the towns are very skeptical, extremely skeptical. They don't think that you're going to have that I, they, many. They don't think I'm going to make that. So they always make me model at 50 and 40% to see if I can still make the numbers work, and I typically can. Um, and so, and then they're just astounded. And mm -hmm. it's uh, every single community I go into, they, they, have a, they, they don't think I'm going to get there. And uh, I'm on Isle of Ho right now. Isle of Ho is a small island community. There's 140 homes on it. Uh, he said, we, you will never get over 80 subscribers. We haven't even started building. We're at 110, <laughs> 115. I mean, we're going to have the whole island. Approaching 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah but approaching yeah. 100%. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give you one other quick story about how this um, – sort of how these communities can work because mm -hmm. there's been we you know i gave you the great story of viana but uh, there's also been a challenge on um on the london yeah yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah right yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right viana oh my gosh right um uh in uh shabig shabig island is an island off in casco bay off the coast of portland mm -hmm. um and they um we've been through a three-year process with them we have uh dsl we we are at we have DSL on the island to about half the island. We, we serve about half the island. We could serve the whole island. But that DSL is a resold product from Fairpoint, from, from Consolidated Communications. It's the incumbent telephone company. The incumbent telephone company. It's really bad. Mm -hmm. And we have no control over it. Yeah, so. I mean, people don't always appreciate, but the copper in Maine is worse than the copper elsewhere, and the copper yes. elsewhere is not good. That's right. It is very, very, very uh, degraded and very old and, and just very, you know, to get a, a three meg connection is, is not is often you can't even get that in the land uh, of the blind the one-eyed man yeah yes yeah. exactly so on that island we thought we'd have a slam dunk we were going to bring fiber we're going to get a grant 
and um, the, 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 the council there was just dead set against. And I don't know if you've experienced this, Chris, but, or, or others listening, but I went into the first town meeting and within the first five minutes i was like i'm gonna be skewed and, and <laughs> right. put you know I, there's no I, it didn't matter what i was gonna Looking say for exit lines. Yeah, yeah i was like oh boy we're dead we're dead uh, but it's amazing how um local communities raise up when they really want something and and over the next year they went through a series of different uh, opportunities and they finally came to the council and said if you don't vote for this we're going to have a referendum and we have the votes and this is going to be embarrassing to you, the town. Mm -hmm. And this may lead to you to be, you know, uh, you know, unseated. You know, you you don't understand how badly we want this. And so they've now been approved. They they did get that approval from the council after, you know, the pitchfork idea. And uh, we were able to get them a grant of I think it's one point two million mm-hmm. um and so and then we had a little add-on to that another three hundred thousand from the state after that so we're going to be building them this year so it's exciting but it's been two or three years uh to go through that process with them about 500 homes there so maine is a place where not only is it hard to build aerially uh but mm. um and i mean not only just the case that the existing pole owners might be hostile that we see elsewhere also it's just that you've got granite everywhere and so I'm curious, like, you have any fun stories about trying to deal with granite? Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, we're going to be building on Monhegan Island uh, the, within the next couple of months. It's a rock. It's a, an island. It's a rock. And they have no utilities on, on poles. So everything is on the ground. Wow. So we were putting uh, fiber on the ground. Uh, we will dig where we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, fiber is uh, extremely resilient, and most uh, engineers and most people who are listening are cringing right now because they can't believe. Oh yeah, no. that we're going to put it on the ground. Yeah. Um, but you'd be amazed how, how well it's done. We're on we're in several places where a significant portion of our build is on the ground, mm-hmm. um, and it's amazing how it even self buries after a while. You know, we go through the woods and and you know we put, you don't even know it's there. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is true that that chainsaws are not uh, you know kind to to fiber, uh, falling trees are not necessarily kind to fiber, but those are small problems in the, in the you know, uh, relatively speaking, it's, it's just, as, just as dangerous, frankly, uh, from, a, from a fiber break standpoint to be on a pole as it is on the ground. In fact, there are a number of studies that show that being on the ground is actually quite safer than mm-hmm. being on the poles. Very wind, you know, wind is not a, f- a fan, trees falling are not, a, you know, not, not, not very good for, for uh, Yeah, and this fiber. isn't the Great Smokies, it's not on the Appalachian Trail. It's no, not- no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are off the beaten track. There's no doubt about that. You know, in more populated areas, and and Shabig is a good example of that because they asked us, and some of the communities on our, in in our uh, on land, we haven't even talked about those. But I have a number of communities uh, on land, uh, you know, on the mainland that we're building out, and it's not really an application for those kinds of situations. But we do do where we have to. Uh, we do do uh, a little bit of underground um, in those areas. And you can get two feet down. The question is, can you get four feet down? Mm-hmm. And typically not. So <laughs> we, get, we can get under. And uh, we had a situation with TDS. TDS is another DSL uh, provider in Maine, like Consolidated. They have a few towns. And they, they told the town we had 60, 60 poles 
in a location that we needed to license from them. They told the town we needed uh, they needed ten million in liability insurance for those sixty poles. The town said, "Can't you do help us here? We just want to just get on sixty poles." Yeah, that's not standard, from what I understand. Not standard, and uh, and they said, "No, I'm sorry, we can't. We're going to hold hold you to that." So we we decided that that wasn't going to work, and so we went on the ground um, in the right of way, um, and we just sort of cut it in and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it works. It can work in, in various situations. It beats not having fiber. It certainly beats not <laughs> having fiber. And remember, we're talking low counts, too. This is not, you know, so so easily repairable. Mm-hmm. You know, within an hour, you're you're repaired and going back if there's a problem. You're not uh, splicing 288 strands, you're not, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's a pretty simple sort of process from that perspective. So come on into the pool. It's it's not as bad as people think. <laughs> you can manage it. And, and a lot of the smaller ISPs have the entrepreneurial sort of mindset around how they help their customers. And so, you know, you have to be available and open to all options. I mean, it is critically important. Th- those those fiber connections on in very remote places are, you know, allowing people to be educated. You know, we went through the pandemic. There were children who couldn't get do any schoolwork and such. I mean, there are people who are doing jobs now at you know, important. I think Maine's becoming a major destination for people that are it leaving is. cities. And, it is. Yeah. It is. It very much is. My wife's a real estate broker. She'll tell you uh, <laughs> what's going on. Uh, people are moving in for sure. Yeah, we had a conversation a few, I don't know, maybe it was a month or two ago with someone and uh, the real estate agent um, that was in the room had said that they'd seen a real switch from people who are looking for second homes to people who are planning to move into a place that had been a second home, uh, you know, a vacation home or a cabin. And they were planning to make it their primary residence most uh so we have a because we work on the coast uh we there we have a lot of uh seasonal what we call seasonal customers second homes and more and more and more they are taking service year round Mm -hmm. um even if they're not there for the full 12 months they are there for more than nine right uh, you know and through it used to be you know this used to be a may one to to columbus day you know you know memorial day to columbus day kind mm-hmm. of thing and they come maybe in july mm-hmm. uh now they are coming uh, you know or staying and of course it's allowing for them to also the the big driver for for older folks is to make sure they can have their grandchildren with them sure and and the big driver for grandchildren is to make sure that they have connectivity to do right. what they need to do well so it's, it's been an interesting process and sure. from what i know of stephen king books i have to say that uh, <laughs> it's a major driver for two key parts of living in new england one um bringing the economic activity in yeah. uh, for seasonally and two giving people that are local something to complain about that's right <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. I think in most communities, while there's a complaint, and it certainly is, it does make Maine a lot busier in the summer. I think people are more and more recognizing the importance of those folks from away, what they mean to the economy, but also what they mean to the fabric of the community. It has to be a synergy. So we we are big supporters of the local community, the year rounders, mm-hmm. and so our models favor year rounders. The 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 people from away, the seasonal customers, pay a little bit more in our model. Mm-hmm. And we say to them, but that this is a community project, and you're supporting the community with your support. And you'd be amazed at how easy that conversation is. That is really the secret sauce at the end of the yeah. day. Well, people yeah. love community. They will Even the, the, the people who are from away, they want that community to thrive. And people nowadays have a trouble understanding how do I help my community? You know, what what do I do? How do I inter interact with my community? Mm-hmm. And this is a nice way 
for the communities we're working in for them to say, yeah, I'm supporting the community in this way. So it's fun. It's fun. Thank you. It's been Thank wonderful you. talking to you. Mark Willett with Axiom Technologies, CEO. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ilsr.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.